You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. That's right, folks. It's Amateur Hour. The show is called Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall, and joining me today, oh, my first wingman, Haas Darkness. Sup? Sup? That's a that's a YouTube only joke. Uh, so today, my friends, we are going to debrief. From the season opening loss to the Detroit Lions, where I'm sure many of you not in attendance at Arrowhead were screaming at your TV on multiple occasions. And look, if you find yourself coaching from the couch during games, you should consider coaching from the sidelines by volunteering with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. You can learn more at helpkckids.org. Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City's Flag Football League kicks off this month. They are looking for volunteer coaches and assistants to share their love of the game with local kids. Learn more at helpkckids.org. Seamless. Thanks for the assist. They are blah. I said, go ahead and drop it. Go ahead and drop it. Woo! Nobody's made a drop joke, have they? Uh, man. I don't know from that beat. So... Uh, it sounds like, Dirk, that really in the aftermath of this game, a lot of people are wanting to talk about those that weren't there. One, Travis Kelsey. One, Chris Jones, although technically we're both in attendance. Um, one major talking point that I have seen kind of bandied about is that Kelsey had missed no games for injury since 2014. So... I guess at this point, we should probably be wondering, or I guess we don't have to wonder anymore, but what did it look like without him? Vibes, maybe for starters. What uh, what did you make of the offense overall sans Travis Kelsey? Oh, I thought they looked great. Start the bit. <laughs> uh, no, it was, uh, no, it was not pretty. Um well, yeah, I, I, I think that's the, the big takeaway is that 
you know, the worst position group on our team didn't look good without their, you know, clear-cut best player. Um, and it's not really any surprise there. Um, <clears throat> that was one of the preseason questions heading into the season uh, that I posed. Um, and we didn't really see it last year, which is when the Chiefs kind of started this philosophy that they're going to go cheap or, you know, not not spend their assets at this right wide receiver position because because they have Travis Kelsey and because Patrick Mahomes can pick up the rest. Um, so, you know, we took that philosophy, we wrote it to a Super Bowl. So I don't, I'm not here, I'm not going to shit on the philosophy there because that worked last year. Um, and so when you look at this receiver group, I mean, I'll, people are freaking out and they were, they were horrible. Um, but I don't know if it's literally long standing um, unless you're going to tell me one of three things. Either you're going to tell me Kelsey's going to miss significant time this season, or if you're going to tell me Kelsey won't be healthy for the playoffs, or if you're going to tell me Kelsey's body is starting to break down and he's just not the same player that he was last year, last couple of years. If you're going to tell me one of those three things, then I'll be concerned. If not, I just look at it as a one-off game where we saw the worst position group on this team play probably the worst they can actually like they could possibly play and we just saw that fall apart and you know drops are contagious and all just started building on each other and they kind of melted down together um and i think that's what we saw unfold last night you mentioned you said the worst position group on the team you you mind clarifying which position group that is because i think that they're maybe walking away from that game people are going to be like well is it the wide receivers well, I'm, I, I would say the receivers in, in total. I guess. Yes. Okay, so just maybe pass catchers then. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's I, I don't. Let me, let me ask you this: Do you think this crop of receivers is much worse than last year, or do you think we just saw this crop of receivers without Travis Kelsey, which we never saw last year? I mean, we we lost Juju and McColl, so I guess if you think those two guys make the difference here. For this team moving forward, um, then then I mean the question here is: Are you concerned moving forward? Do the Chiefs have a problem? I don't, I don't really care about losing a single game to start the season. Like one loss, who cares? The Chiefs going to overcome that, no problem. So the question is: Do we have a long term concern? Do we have a twenty twenty three concern? And I am not convinced that this crop of receivers is much worse than last year's. Uh, did they play worse than? Did they play a horrible game? Yes, for sure. Uh, but I think that will be a one-off and I think we just happen to see them without uh Travis Kelsey which never happened last year I, I mean the big thing for me is even after a game like that I don't think that there's necessarily reason to be concerned about this group of wide receivers um I mean don't get me wrong like I think that having seven of them active and all of them getting at least, you know, a decent number of snaps. I think that Tony ended up with the fewest and he was still playing, you know, 25 or 30% of the snaps. Uh, well, I think Ross, I think Ross had the fewest. Okay. I, I guess like for me, here, here's the thing with uh, going from Juju to a combination of Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Justin Ross, Justin Watson. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to necessarily quantify who's taking up Juju's snaps, but Juju, when he got to Kansas City, had played in the NFL for five years and and done so successfully. 
And say what you want about Juju Smith-Schuster and maybe a lack of explosiveness, um, unless you're talking about potentially his knee exploding. Um, but I do think at this point, I, I want to just maybe point back to something I said, you know, in our opening show. I I have to wonder if this is more of the real rebuilding year uh, because Juju provided them a bridge, a, a true professional and experienced guy. And at this point, we're asking a bunch of receivers to do something at this level that they haven't done before. And that was their first game. Um, and so we can talk about maybe jitters. We can talk about maybe, you know, some some miscues in the playbook at the depth of the route or the actual route or the position on the field. There's a number of different things, but that doesn't take away from what I believe is a lot of raw talent in that room. And the best thing for this team moving forward, I think, is to give those young guys as many reps and as many opportunities as possible to see if we have something in them. I would not, you know, on the, you know, overreaction Friday, I guess on this point, um, I, I would not want to say like, well, Sky Moore played the most snaps of all the wide receivers and he wasn't even targeted until the fourth quarter and he just didn't seem to know what he was doing. And suddenly that means that he's no good. Um, I, I don't think that that's the case. It's a, it's a troubling way to start the season, but hey, uh, nowhere to go but up, I suppose, at wide receiver. See, if, if I were to say there was one concerning thing from the game, it was the lack of production from Sky Moore. Uh, so we posed the question of, you know, who would be the next person up in this offense uh, behind, you know, obviously Mahomes and Kelsey. Like, who's, who's going to produce the most out of this huge group of running backs, uh, backup tight ends, receivers, and we both said Sky Moore. And a lot of that's probably based on usage, um, which we saw. He got the snaps, um, but he just didn't produce. I, and I just, I don't know, I just liked what I've seen from Sky Moore at, at certain points, and I just kind of thought that he would step in, and there was no better time than last night with Kelsey out, uh, going against what was a bad secondary last year. They made some improvements this year. Uh, but it seemed like everything was set up for him to have a big night last night. I mean, how many tweets did you see of I'm betting Sky Moore's over receiving yardage here? And I think it was 49. I might be making that up, but um, obviously he didn't even get close. Um, so I thought that was kind of the biggest concern was, man, I thought Sky Moore was going to be a player here. And, you know, if the Chiefs are banking on that, that might be a problem. So that was one thing where I was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not closing the book on him. I think he's still got time. Um, and it, and his drops, I mean, first off, so if we're going like kind of player by player here, Kadarius Tony played maybe the worst skill position game of all time from, from a player. It was very, very bad. I mean, you don't want to say one person single-handedly lost the game, but his plays, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. It's directly leading to a touchdown, uh, dropping past that, almost puts them in field goal range to kick the go-ahead field goal. I mean, and another drop in there that leads to another field. It's, it was it was really bad for him. Sky Morris catches, most of those were pretty tough. Um, you know, he has the one on the fourth and 25, which is, which is tough. And it's really just like, at that point, it's just like compounding from everything, all the other drops. And it's just like, oh my God, another one. Um, and he could have come down with that, but 
you know, he had one earlier that's like off the, the tips of his fingers. That would have been a really tough catch. He had one earlier that Gardner Johnson kind of knocks away. It's all stuff. So, I mean, that's that's kind of understandable. But the lack of production is is the concerning part. Like, why wasn't he open? Why, why wasn't Mahomes finding him throughout the night? Um, and so that was, that was kind of my concern with Sky Moore. Uh, and then if you throw another drops for people. I mean, Jet McKinnon drops one on a third and two that, that he probably picks up. Uh, Rasheed Rice drops one early in the game. It was just, it, it was a, it was a drop of Palooza out there. Like it was, it, it got comical towards the end. And really you could tell it got in their heads. Cause it was just like, you know, once you see your teammate drop one, once you drop one, it gets in your head and then it just happens. It happens again and again. Um, and that was, that was tough. Yeah, I mean, look like overall, I think that watching the offense try to operate, it really felt like Mahomes was doing it all on his own. Um, you know, whether it's because it's excellent coverage or guys, you know, missing the mark, Mahomes having to extend all these plays, he ends up leading the team in rushing. Um you know, every time that a, a drive gets extended on a third down, it's because of something that Mahomes does, essentially. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's great to lean on the best player in the world, but it almost felt like too much. Um, and that sucks to even have to admit that, like, there are limits to what this guy can do. But, you know, man, I, I mean, look, you, you mentioned Kadarius Tony, and, like, I didn't think he was even going to be ready for this game. And he didn't look ready. It, and, like mentally, like, right. like with the look on his face, it was just like, he didn't seem into the game. Like early on, I was just like, you got to get him out. Like he just doesn't look mentally into this game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the reason would be for that. Maybe this is part of the reason that, you know, things went sour with the giants. Uh, who knows? I mean, he's, he comes in last year, you know, five weeks before a playoff run and it's, and he gets thrown the ball on his score and touchdowns. Like, of course things are going well then. So um, maybe, maybe we might see another side of Kadarius Tony, uh, but it's it, it, the, the, the look on his face, the, the vibes from him during the game were not great. They definitely were. And I mean, ultimately, especially toward the end there, um, you know, the vibes from Mahomes not like, I don't even want to say it's a bad thing, but like, he's clearly just like, Another one. You can, you can see it. It's starting to to weigh on him. You know, one of the one of the adjustments that I thought they might make, and I think that it's been an important point that uh, you know Ken Swanson has done a really good job of talking about today, is that like the game plan was done. They had done like the final you know install practice before the game. It was complete when Kelsey gets hurt, and so. They've got very little time to adjust what they're trying to do. I thought that maybe the smart decision for them was like, all right, look, we we can't do maybe as much of the 12 and certainly the 13 personnel um, as we did last year without Travis. Um, and so maybe what we need to do, we've got seven wide receivers active today. We're going to put four of them on the field most of the game. We're going to just try to spread the Lions out. We're going to see what we can do, try to get these guys open. And the Lions had a really interesting counter last night. I, I saw a couple of people taking the time to watch the All-22 and saying that like the Lions were one of the heaviest like man-to-man -man teams in the NFL last year. And they ended up 
instead of being in all of this man, they end up running zone at a really, really heavy rate. Um, and ultimately the result of that is forcing a bunch of young guys to find the soft spots, read the coverage, get into the right place and, and make themselves available to Mahomes. And, and they really struggled to do that. And what, I mean, what is Kelsey known for at this point? Like Kelsey's, he's not a burner. He's not out here running four, four. That's not the reason that he gets open all the time. It's because he's really smart and he can find the holes in the zone. So like he is like our, our zone beater. And he would have thrived against a coverage like that. And it, that's, I mean, that made it smart. I mean, it, it was a good pivot for them to like, okay, if they see zone, they just have Kelsey eat it up in the middle of the field here. And they're not going to have him. So let's just do that and see what they, how they handle it. Because it's this all whole bunch of new weapons. And it, let's see if they're on the same page, which is what you need to do in zone. Like look at the one to, to Tony towards the end of the game. He's got to settle down a little bit and find that that spot right there in the zone. That's why the pass ends up a little bit behind him, and he just kind of overruns it just a bit, and that's why it's a little behind him, and that's why he drops. It was a good pivot from the Lions. We're actually going to pivot right now into a break. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, Dirk, um, you know, apart from obviously a lot of offensive woes, the Chiefs are also missing Chris Jones, uh, sitting up there in a suite, uh, flanked by his two agents. Goons. That goons with them. So something that I thought was interesting, and I don't know if this is 
was done on purpose. I don't know if it was the Chiefs, if it was NBC, if it was Chris Jones and the Cats brothers. I don't know how this worked out. But at one point, when they showed Chris Jones and the Cats brothers sitting there in the suite, in the window behind them is a big yellow square with the initials CJ to make it really easy to spot him. Now, maybe this is something that the broadcast needs to help a cameraman be able to quickly look up and go to Chris Jones. I I don't want to be like conspiracy theorist here, but I almost think that it was like, we're going to put this big thing up here so that you guys definitely know where Chris Jones is. I mean, I don't think that he like took over the broadcast or anything. Um, and certainly the way that not, the not defense... Like, not, not like the Hutchinson parents. That's when they didn't get much as much screen time as them. Okay. His mom, they can't quite fall. What? What's happening? What's happening? Like, he got a sack. What? What? Sidebar. A lot of conversation on the internet last night about what in the world NBC was doing with Hutchinson's parents being mic'd up in the crowd. And look, guys, next time that one of these TV networks wants to mic up some parents, can we please just have it be like Jordan Love's parents in the last row of the stadium instead of Hutchinson's parents sitting in a suite? Like, that is something that I want to hear. I want to hear them bitching about the seats that they're in. I want to hear the very drunk Chiefs fans up in the top row, the blue-collar Chiefs fans, instead of all of these very privileged people sitting in the suite and Dad just being like, all right, Hutch, way to go, Hutch. I can't believe he's calling his son a sh- uh, like a, a a shortened version of their last name, but, you know, so be it. He, ca- he calls the other kids Ed and Son. There like, you go. Ed and Son. There we go. Okay. Well, so let, let, me, let me say this about Chris Jones and the impact or lack thereof that he had on this defense um, against the Lions. So we mentioned that Kelsey had missed no games due to injury since 2014, 10 years without missing. Well, Chris Jones has missed some time in recent years. Uh, three games in 2019, he had hurt his groin. Uh, the Chiefs go one and two during that stretch, but Pat Mahomes missed one of those games. The second of the three games was against Denver when Pat hurts his knee. Um, and so the game against Green Bay, when the Packers come to town, they're playing without Pat and Chris Jones, and they lose by one possession to Aaron Rodgers. So, I don't know what to make of that. Um, In 2021, Chris Jones misses two games because of the wrist injury that ends up kind of plaguing him for the rest of the year. He also ends up in December missing a game due to COVID. The Chiefs go 2-1 and during that stretch, the one loss being 34-20 to or something to Buffalo at home. The Bills came in and and kicked some butt. Um, One of those games, however, the December game, I had totally forgotten this, was Chiefs at Chargers, the one that I came out to L.A. to be with you out there at SoFi. So Chiefs win 34-28 in a walk-off. Travis Kelsey has an absolutely amazing day, and the Chargers scored 28 points against a Chris Jones-less defense. And last night, the third-ranked offense in the NFL out of last season puts up 14 points in a game where, don't get me wrong, they had plenty of time to prepare without Chris Jones, seeing as he hasn't been around the team all offseason. But we spent time 
very legitimate time thinking about this defense is built around Chris Jones. Everything he does impacts everybody else. He makes everybody such a better player. I don't know what they're going to do. And last night, I feel like every single player on the field stepped up and made plays. It was such an efficient team effort defensively. And I felt like there wasn't a single guy on the field that didn't do like at least one thing that jumped out to me. And I absolutely loved watching it. Uh, yeah, it was an impressive effort. I was trying to think of someone who who were you thinking who 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 didn't make a play? I mean, look, I don't I don't remember. Yeah. I I can't say that uh, that Tershawn Wharton really flashed for me. I um, didn't see him. John Browning died. John Browning was doing work. Whoever that was, shout out to ninety three. Uh, Willie Gay, I didn't see him do much of anything really. Um, uh, I was incredibly impressed with the defense. Um, I thought they showed a lot of flashes. The pass rush was better than uh, what I thought it would be. Uh, I thought George showed some flashes. Man, George reading bootlegs. Karloftis is just all over that. Like he's don't run bootlegs to his side. He he eats those up. Uh, I thought Felix showed some flashes. I think he only had thirteen plus pass rush snaps, um, and he had pressures on two of them. Uh, one was really nice in the end zone, like early, like third quarter. I want to say. Um, and then Dana, who is always the forgotten man here. I thought Dana did some good things. Uh, he had a batted ball in there. He had a sack. Uh, Dana's just really solid. And, you know, these guys aren't, they're not good enough to carry a pass rush. But if you're putting those, all those guys around Chris Jones, and remember, an important thing to remember here, we're all, we're all mad at Chris Jones here. I get it. Um, we're, wa- we're watching the scene without him right now. Um, and one thing to keep in mind, and this goes with the receivers too. You know, the receivers look one way right now. And the pass rush looks one way right now without Chris Jones here. But we all know that the Chiefs are playing for January. We all know this. So the receiving room, they really struggled this game. They have to improve throughout the and it's it's very understandable that they would improve throughout the season. The pass rush is going to get Chris Jones back at some point. It might be week nine, and but they're going to get him back. And, you know, maybe you say that, like, he's going to come back and be out of shape and get hurt, which is on the table, sure. But, you know, until that happens, I'm assuming Chris Jones is going to be around for this playoff run. And so if you're telling me I have Chris Jones with Dana, who looks improved, Felix, who's showing flashes, Karloftis, who we know is solid, like, that's, that's going to be a really good pass rush, which as we know, might be the number one key to succeed with Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team. Like, if they have a good pass rush and they have Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be very, very dangerous. Um, so I, I saw a lot of good flashes from the pass rush. I was impressed with that. Uh, and they can also hop on, on the run defense. I mean, the Lions had, they were one of the leading run teams last year. I don't have the stats or anything in front of me. Uh, but David Montgomery, only 21 for 74. Jameer Gibbs gets 7 for 42, so that's something... But I think that was kind of the fear is that Detroit was just going to come in and pound us. And I got to say, after that first snap, when they just ran straight up the gut for eight yards, I was like, oh boy, here we go. We're going to see a lot of seven to eight yard runs here. And it's just going to be like, okay, you know, hold them to field goals kind of thing. And it wasn't like that at all. We ended up shutting down the run game pretty good and shutting down their offense in general pretty good. I do think that eventually the defense wore down. Pardon me. Allergy season. I've got some coughs in here or there. Um, the defense wore down 
you know, that last drive, they were just completely out of gas and Detroit decides we're going to really, truly play bully ball here. Yeah, the touchdown or the, or like the three players to end it? Even just, I mean, I, mean, I guess both really. Um, this is something that I think is important that those of you that aren't um, maybe somewhat silently Lions fans, such as myself, um, the Lions are a really tough cover for pretty much anybody, but particularly a Spagnolo defense without Chris Jones. Because one of the things that Ben Johnson has really done well with Jared Goff is that any time that there is a blitz, they find him a quick solution. And Jared Goff is pretty good at getting the ball out of his hand when he has somebody in his face because he's got he doesn't necessarily want to chuck it deep. So he's used to kind of picking apart, doing all these little dump offs and stuff. And this is really how that Lions defense is built. And when you look at some of the plays that ended up extending drives, kind of felt a little back breaking. It would be like, you know, let's call it third and medium. And Spags ends up sending like an uh, like an overload blitz on one side. And I remember specifically there's a play where Karloftis drops into coverage into a zone and he just can't be in the spot that he's supposed to be in because he's a defensive end. It's a gamble. And the Lions were able to counter some of those Spagnolo blitzes. And, and don't get me wrong, it was still an effective game plan from Spags, but without that, like, that true wrecking ball in Chris Jones that can affect you from all four positions on the defensive line um, and really give you that push up the middle too, so that you're not having to constantly blitz defensive backs and linebackers from the edge. I mean, it, it just got to a point where like the Lions knew that pressure was coming from somewhere. And as soon as they saw it, it's look to the other side of the field and take that mismatch. And they were able to do that three or four times and that is what kept them in the game and I think ultimately kind of won them the game, at least as far as their offense was concerned, because, you know, I don't necessarily want to blame the entire game on Kadarius Tony. I mean, I mean, that scored them the points that won them the game, yes. But, you know, if anybody tells you that the Chiefs defense is going to hold them to 14 points without Chris Jones before the game, everybody takes it. 100% of people take that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the the you kind of live by the blitz, die by the blitz kind of thing. So, yeah, they gave up some plays in there. Um, I, that play you're talking about, uh, I'm guessing you didn't see the video. There's a, there's a Benjamin Zolak. Zolak? Zolak? Zolak. Um, breaks Scott hot Zolak. Benjamin Zolak. Scott Zolak, 90s Patriots backup quarterback legend. Um, but it's a funny breakdown because Karloftis is actually in man on Amad Ross A. Brown running a seam route straight up the gut and he's just so far behind that he's but he's kind of in the way for that pass and that was actually a huge play that was like a third and 12 uh on the lions uh like winning drive um it just kind of like just kind of floats up goss under pressure and he just kind of floats it up and it just kind of george is running trying to catch amon ross St. brown um and it just kind of he looks silly because his back's turned to the play and it just kind of ends up so play of the game uh but i mean that's just kind of what happens when you blitz so much and Spags was really getting in his bag as we expected. I mean, that's that's what you want to do without Chris Jones out there. And that's really what Spags seems like he wants to do in general. Like he, that's that's what he likes to do. He likes to bring exotic blitz schemes. 
Um, so, I mean, I, I liked everything I saw. Uh, it did kind of get to him in the end. Uh, but in, in general, just, just overall praise for the defense. I mean, from, from start to finish, I had, I had what, and really, I guess they did wear down. I was, I was mad at them at the, like that last drive for not like, they just kind of seemed like they were conceding the game when it was still very much alive in my opinion. Um, but that's, I, that was more just like frustration that we're losing at that point more than anything. Um, but yeah, over, overall, I, I would give the defense a B plus, A minus. Like it was a great effort out there. So uh, let's, let's rewind and kind of zoom out because I think that going into this game, everyone is thinking about Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Um, you know what? Before I even get into this point, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deep. It's not necessarily gonna be a deep dive, but I do want to dig a little deep. So let's go ahead and take another break. A deep dig. Deep dig. Let's deep dig it. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't miss offer for Week One. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is also hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use the code KCSN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code KCSN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or co- visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. CDKNG.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. So, Dirk, I, I want to, as I said, I want to kind of zoom out a little bit because stepping into week one without an all pro on both sides of the ball, really your second and third best players on the team, I think that maybe the, the question that a lot of people had. It's not like, who are they going to miss more? I'm sure people were asking that. But I think it's, who steps up in their place? And, you know, we talked about on offense, we thought it was going to be Sky Moore. I think that the answer was Mahomes. Like, there there wasn't necessarily somebody that stepped up in Travis Kelsey's absence. I, I mean, I think the answer is Noah Gray. Noah Gray looked pretty good. He showed some, showed some juice out there. Uh, I mean, but he only had, like, two catches and like one of them was nice you know i mean no no offense to noah gray all day noah gray um mvs look i mean mvs's one catch deep was was fantastic the the throw and the catch on that play it was like i was trying to sum it up in words to present on the tweet machine and i i literally just couldn't i was like i don't i don't know what to say because it was just freaking marvelous man um, he zinged it in there. Yeah, he did. But I, I will say, even though we didn't necessarily see like a receiving option, step up and try to shoulder some of the loss of Travis Kelsey. 
On the defensive side of the ball, I think we absolutely saw one player more than others step up and say, I am going to take control of this situation. And it's the man right in the middle of the defense wearing 32. Nick Bolton had himself a football game, man. Um, whether it's the tussle with Panay Sewell, who is many inches and arguably probably 100 pounds heavier than Nick Bolton, and Nick Bolton just brushed him off like it wasn't a big deal. And Sewell looked so pissed off in that situation because this shrimpy dude standing next to him just was completely unfazed in that moment. It's that, or you see him knife into the backfield on that play and completely, I don't, was it Gibbs or Montgomery? I don't know who Montgomery. It was Montgomery. Montgomery. And I mean, he just planted a professional on his ass, completely ruined that play. And I see Nick Bolt, don't get me wrong, he, he struggled a little bit trying to meet Jameer Gibbs on the edge when Ben Johnson had Jameer Gibbs in the game. Um, but generally speaking, I thought that Nick Bolton was everywhere. He played like the captain of that defense. He showed up and said, like, we have to have somebody that's going to set the tone. And I think that we saw it from 32. And it just makes me so happy to see this guy who we maybe continue to think is a little bit limited. I think he's still getting better. And and I thought he had an absolutely brilliant game against the Lions. I mean, I think he got picked on maybe a little bit. I mean, they run so much play action that yeah, it's I mean it's gonna happen. I think um, so. I think they kind of they did that a little bit. They threw they went play action throw on top of them. The zones were it's, ugly, ugly. It's, it's the same as Nick Bolton usually is. If he's coming downhill, he's phenomenal. Like he, he's just fantastic. If he's just running straight and and going to the ball, then he's he's everything you want. If he's running away from the ball, then he's not quite everything. You want. Um, but yeah, that, that one play was so awesome because I don't even think Montgomery was trying to trip him. He just got so far plated on his ass that his legs shot up and they just happened to get in the way of Bolton, who was just still chugging along. Like it was, I don't think there was any intent to trip him. Uh, and, and the best part was that the Chiefs like just tried to trip one of the Lions defenders the previous possession and they didn't call it. And they, it's so that was pretty, uh, funny back and forth. Uh, but yeah, I love that because I don't. There was no intention there at all. It was just so far planted on his ass that his legs are just completely vertical <laughs> to the sky. Uh, but yeah, Bolton played great. Um, Another guy that I thought, like I just kept noticing around the ball, maybe not necessarily like breaking up passes or whatever, but like right place, right time. Brian Cook, man, that guy, and and I remember hearing in training camp that like suddenly Brian Cook is like the single high safety that they're that they're not even putting Justin Reed in that role, that Justin Reed is playing around the line of scrimmage and he's doing a lot of covering tight ends. And Brian Cook is becoming like that, I don't know, what would you call it? Like the center fielder, essentially, the guy that's helping everybody get lined up. And we're thinking, second-year player? Doing that kind of stuff for this defense? And when you paid Justin Reed the way that you did? And I, I thought Brian Cook, just kept flashing um, and ultimately ended up recovering that fumble as well that was that was caused by uh, his fellow second-year teammate there and Trent McDuffie, who I, a lot of people walked away from that game saying, man, Trent McDuffie, like, he might allow some catches, but, like, that's about it. He will allow a grab, and that guy is instantly on the ground. Very sticky in coverage. Yeah, I mean, McDuffie, 
I mean, every review of him last year was was raving, and that was with missing. Uh, did he did he even play make it to week one? Did he get hurt before week one last year? He got hurt in like the opening series of week one. Okay, so yeah, it, it's really hard to be a rookie and miss like the first six, seven, eight weeks or whatever he did, and then come back and play well. And yet he did by all accounts. Yeah. Uh, so the the. I think we're looking at a big time breakout year coming from from Trent McDuffie. He's also like a fantastic tackler. Yeah, yes. Um, so a lot of things to like from McDuffie. Uh Justin Reed, I thought, had a, a rough start to the game. Uh, he had a bad missed tackle in there and got beat a few times, but I think I thought he rebounded and played pretty well uh, down the stretch. Sneed, did you have a little worry about Sneed? That one play was just so bad looking when he gets he's he has the catch to Josh Reynolds and then he just he has all this help inside, but then he lets him just juke by him and run outside. Uh, and this is on the game-winning drive. It ends up, and he ends up getting like an extra 20 yards. Just He just blows by him. It looks like Sneed is just like standing in sand. Like it was it was an ugly rep. I'll say that. That's such a strange play to me too, because I believe it was just the series before where Sneed is coming on a blitz and has to like stop and pivot to make the tackle on the running back. And they're commenting. They're like, oh, look at his change of direction. This is such a wonderful play from Legereus Sneed. And then the very next series, the guy can't change direction to save his life. And on that Josh Reynolds play, where Sneed gets juked twice and then can't catch up to Josh Reynolds, I saw people laughing about how Josh Reynolds was running with both hands on the ball because he saw a linebacker who was going to chase him down. I mean, that that one play from Snead was really discouraging, but he looked like himself before that. And so I almost want to just like forgive it because the guy hasn't played football in a month and had a swollen knee and maybe it's still sore and whatever else. Maybe he was all like it was the, the cortisone is wearing off or something at that point in the game. I don't know, but it's an interesting take. At, at any rate, like I think that he played well, really up until the end, and and ultimately, I mean that that to me, I think that the defense. I mean, I don't, don't want to be redundant, but like I think that they just kind of ran out of gas. The offense did not do enough to support that defensive effort, um, and and even without Travis Kelsey, you still look at it and it's like, I, I thought that they had enough. I thought that the talent there was going to be enough to to overcome whatever it was. I mean, going into the game, like, were you worried? Did you think that there was even like a, like, I mean, maybe a remote possibility, but like, I didn't see the Chiefs losing this game at all. And I wonder if I've seen some people accuse the team or, or fans or just kind of all of, you know, Chiefs together of like a little bit of arrogance and I mean, rightfully deserved. They were hanging a banner for winning the Super Bowl back in February. So, uh, but do you think that they like suffered from that a little overconfidence? Were they surprised by the Lions? Well, nah, nah, I mean, I don't, I don't see it. Are they, are they, there's just one bad mistake in there uh, with the pick six. And I really just think they win the game by two scores. If, if the pick six doesn't happen, like I just, I, I just think it's kind of a, a fluky little game and i mean that happens all the time you just you just kind of lose games like that and i didn't there was a world where i saw them losing but not like that like i just didn't think that was i thought you know the lions run for 180 yards and they just kind of control the clock and win you know 27 24 or something 
um, or maybe like a total shootout or something like that. But I did not see anything. I, I didn't see that coming like that. Um, so no, I, 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 well, I, I wasn't worried. No, but I, thought, I definitely thought it was on the table. I would say. I, I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't want to say that I entered that game thinking there's just no chance that they lose here. But it really didn't it feel like, like the arrogant one, not not the Chiefs. It's it is possible. It's possible. Maybe I am all here. I almost think uh, you more blame than Kadarius Stone. Oh come on, man! Well, all right, uh, maybe, maybe more than uh, Sky. Between between Kadarius, Ryan Scott, all Sky. That's that seems like a sweet spot for me. Um, so we, you want to switch back to the offense? You get you get all the defense. Yeah, because I I mean I want to I know that people are probably thinking you got to talk about third down, you got to talk about you got to talk about Jawan Taylor. <laughs> I I heard enough about Jawan Taylor both yeah. between the podcast <laughs> and on the internet last night. I don't I'm fine. Yeah, I, I had to bust out like the muted words. Like I I can't I can't look at any of this. Uh, yeah, I think we we need to talk about third and one. Um, this is so funny because I I feel like I was like the only person who cared about this last year, and I just talked about it ad nauseum, and I just kept repeating myself over and over, and I kept waiting for it to like bite the Chiefs in the ass, and it never really did. Um, and yet, I don't think people remember we were the worst third and one team in the league last year. The worst. We were the best third down team in the in the league, and the worst third and one team in the league. Um, so it, it, you know, the, the, the story on the street is the chiefs getting cute, um, which I get cause it looked fucking ugly. That was its ugliest and flaking yet. There was three lions just sitting there waiting to tackle where she rice on that play. Um, that was, that was really ugly. Um, but people want to act like us hanging the ball up the middle is guaranteed to get that yard. And I, I just don't think they remember last year because we were horrible at it. Um, and so I think a lot of people are mad at Andy for getting cute, and I get it because it was a bad look and, you know, that bites in the ass sometimes. And the worst thing you want to do like a third and one is lose yardage because then you can't go for a fourth. Um, but my take on it is why can't the best interior offensive line, in, interior offensive line in the NFL pave the way for one yard why can we not get to a point where that one yard is being picked up regularly by by a running back like we champion these three guys and i don't i don't have any problem with them like i'm with it i get it creed's considered the best of in the league two of these one of the highest paid guards in the league and trey meth trey smith is considered uh a, a, a solid guard despite having probably a rough night against aiden Hutchinson last night um but why can't they pick up a yard? If we have the best interior offensive line in the NFL, that yard should be guaranteed. And it's far from that. Far from that. I know why. Um, I mean, it, it's, it is, I think last year, um, it may have been a bit of a, a conundrum. Like I, I was trying to, you know, find that answer too, but I think I know why. And it's because they built that line to protect Patrick Mahomes, not to run the football. These guys are as good as it gets, most of them, at pass protection. That is where they thrive. And don't get me wrong, guys like Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith seem like maulers. 
Joe Tooney, I think is an adequate run blocker, but considered like as as good as it gets at pass blocking. Tooney doesn't even look like an offense. He looks like he looks like a regular. He looks like you. Like he looks like two hundred and ten pounds out there playing left guard. It's kind of so, amazing. I I, I tell you what I've I've seen him out of pads and he does not look like an offensive lineman. Like so not at all. Well, erotic, he, erotic Joe Tooney pictures. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like, like seeing him in person, face to face outside of pads. He came into the restaurant and he was just a pretty normal size dude. Like he, I have friends that are his size and, he, and they're order? not like, you know, giants. Did he order just a salad? No, I mean, he ate well, um, <laughs> But like, right, so shouldn't Trey Smith be the road grader? I mean, he's the guy that's like built that should be like paving the way. You, you would think, you know, like it, it. It's so strange to me, but like we see it pretty consistently that in these short yardage situations, teams are pulling guards and using them as a lead blocker. Like I'm running behind Trey Smith. That's probably what I want to try. He seems like the guy who is most likely to be able to clear a path for you. I mean, you look at all of the highlights that he had, not only in college, but also, you know, in his first couple of years in the league. And it seems like they should be able to do it. But honestly, man, like, I don't know if it's a lack of emphasis on the Chiefs part. You think about how their running game works. And so much of it is about misdirection. And we're going to throw this guy across the formation. And then we're going to have this other guy run in motion. And we're trying to get you guys to think too much before we hand the ball off. And I mean, in years past, it's been every single handoff is a friggin' RPO. And so, you know, it just, they are not a team that goes into a game saying, we are going to run the ball. And, and on top of that, they're saying, they're, they're certainly not saying we're going to run the ball like right at you. And, you know, I, I can hearken back to my football playing days in junior high and high school at very low 5A Kansas high school football. What touchdowns in one game from Brian Scott Hall? Uh, my coaches always said low man wins, particularly in those short yardage running situations. And our offensive linemen are not accustomed to doing that. If we average 60 snaps a game, they're not trying to get lower than the opponent for more than like two or three of them. And so it's such a small sample size that it's just not what they're good at. And so to me, what that says is the solution on these short yardage plays. Yes, even on third and one, I know that people will see it and hate it. It's not to get cute. It's to do what you do. Put Patrick Mahomes in the shotgun, run, you know, three wide receivers and Travis Kelsey or whatever, and let Mahomes make the right decision. You, I, I cannot, I mean, look, when it works, it's fine. But clearly, like the the whole Blake Bell package, even even all the things, the concepts that maybe they're trying to run off of it, Andy, put it in the trash can, man. Like put it put it where the fullback dive went. Like we can't do it anymore. Everyone knows what's coming, and so to me, I'm just I I just want them to run a normal play that they would run if it were second and eight. Like, don't do this emphasis on we only need a yard because they're clearly overthinking it and it's not working. And now we've got, at the very minimum, like a 20-something game sample 
of them not being able to pick up these short yardage situations because the team, that line, and and really, I mean, we can even say like, I know Pacheco's kind of a hard-nosed runner, but they're just not built for it, man. I I don't think it's what they're good at. And so I want us I want them to do something different. I, I we reached a point last year where that was kind of our solution. It's just like just drop back and pass like it's a normal play. Um my counter of that last night is that we had multiple third and twos in there where we just dropped back to pass and we didn't convert on those either. Uh so I mean it just wasn't a whole lot working uh last night. Um like a couple stats here. Um, the Chiefs had 5.1 yards per play. Uh, that's their lowest since December 2021 versus Denver. Uh, it's only the ninth game of the Mahomes era that he started and finished. Um, and then they only had 17 first downs, which is only the seventh game of the Mahomes era uh, with 17 or fewer first downs. Strangely enough, each of those other games were wins. This is the only game they lost with with fewer with 17 or fewer first downs. Uh, so kind of weird. Uh, I think, I mean, what a lot of people would be yelling at us right now is that they want to see a sneak. Um, and so, I mean, I'm with I, I don't disagree, um, but I, I just, it's so wild how, you know, this is taking on a life of its own. I would love to hear Mahomes' unfiltered thoughts on that situation. Like, is he just like, just let me sneak it and they just won't let him? Is, does he have a say in this that he doesn't want to? Like, does does he have PTSD from from P P Q B S N T D A H B K C? Um, or <laughs> get us out of here. We're gonna fire us up to that one. Um, but yeah, I, I just want right, to let me ask this: Do we see a QB sneak this season? Do we, do we bust it out? The, I, okay, so you you want the quarterback sneak solution? Just put Gabbard in there. I don't care. You're telegraphing with with Blake Bell, even though technically you can kind of like motion out of it or whatever. But like, if you, dude, look, I I know that Blaine Gabbard is no Tom Brady in terms of the efficiency of the QB sneak. But that play in and of itself is one of the most efficient plays in the NFL. It works a very high percentage of time. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot. And I don't care if they know that it's coming. It's third and one. Put Gabbard in there and get your yard. If you insist on not letting Mahomes do it, I it, it does not bother me that you put someone else on the field that can. It seems stupid to remove the play from the playbook. That's, I, I mean, I, that's where I'm at. And look, Andy Reid has forgotten more about football than I will ever know. But he's getting it wrong here. He's getting it wrong. And I don't know exactly what the perfect solution is. But I'll tell you this, man. The Chiefs start that game 5 of 8 on third down and finish 5 of 14. Seven straight third downs. They don't convert to in the game. Some of those in short yarded situations. And I just, six of them, whatever. I'm not a math teacher. I teach <laughs> I teach communication arts. Um, it's just, it's just disappointing, man. It's, it's really disappointing that this is a thing that they still haven't figured out when you have this kind of talent running the team and on the field. You would think that they would have, figured something out by now 
early in the Mahomes era, their third and short yardage play was like a shotgun option. Uh, they went to that a lot. Uh, yeah, they kind of got away from that. Maybe time to go back to it. It's, it's kind of funny to think they always had like a base play, I and mean, then it was the fullback trap, which people shit on now, but man, the fullback trap worked for like the first 15 times they ran it. Yeah. Uh, the- it eventually got figured out in a bad way, but for a while, it was unstoppable, and then they had all kinds of plays off that. Like, he just... And he's just like a coach's coach, and he just... Lo- he cannot help himself from building a play and then building another play off of that play. And it's just like... He just sits in his office, and he's just stroking his mustache, and he's like, that's so beautiful. That's that's that works so well. <laughs> and he's like, how did it not work? Like, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Well, um, I do remember, like, a play that was really effective in there for a while, and I kind of thought... I almost feel like they did it. Maybe it was in a preseason game or something, but the the other short yardage play they kept going to for a while there was just the Tyreek is faster than you do the he'll come in motion and then he'll just break out and like he's just going to beat you to the sideline a little like one yard little flick well that's they do that with Chad Henney Chad Henney could pull that's his play I thought that we saw it go to Sky Moore whether it was a preseason game I don't know if it was his rookie year or what but like I thought and we were like okay cool we've got somebody that we can do this with and because Tyreek's not here, that play is gone. And I don't even know if they really tried to do it with McColl. Um, honestly, maybe the most like change of direction, quick acceleration type of guy on this offense is now maybe Richie James. Um, you know, but it, and and really some of that like end around type of motion stuff. We were also ready to get rid of McColl, and I think that I just assumed that Richie James was going to step into that role. It's a part of the offense that was missing last night. Um, the only time we really even saw that was the the play to Rasheed Rice on that third and short with Blake Bell doing this weird kind of whatever, and we lost three or four yards and Andy punts. Um, I just well, that, we should we should probably talk about the Andy fourth down. Sorry, I don't know if I cut you off there. But, no, please uh, by all means. Uh, just for the record, uh, you don't get into this as much as I do, but. I, with the offense struggling like it was, I was in favor of kicking the field goal um, to go up 17-14. Just because you got a tie game, I think it's important to get a lead. I was staunchly against kicking it to go up six points. I just, there's nothing worse than having a six-point lead in a football game because you give the other team the knowledge that they need a touchdown, so then they're going, you know, they're more aggressive, they're more likely to go for a fourth down, and if they get it, then you lose. It's not like they tie Whereas if you're up, even if you're up three and they're kind of driving down, they always, they, in the back of their mind, they're like, well, we can just kick a field goal here and send this to overtime. And it kind of gives you like a sense of power. Um, so I was staunchly against that. They were both fourth and twos. Um, the fourth and 25 at the end was interesting. There was a theory floated today that I just have to harp on. I, I got to harp on it because, man, I fucking love this shit. I would have never thought of it. I was blown away by this magnificent bastard on Twitter. Uh, his name is, I have no idea, but shout out to him. Um, shout out, I have no idea. <laughs> his idea was to, instead of 4 from 25, you're basically just punting on that play anyway. You got like, what, a 1% chance of getting it, even though we maybe should have gotten it. Uh, so you run to the nine-yard line, and with that time remaining, the Lions, the Chiefs have three timeouts, so they either have to score a touchdown 
which then keeps it a one-point game unless they go for two. There's a lot of moving parts here, I know. But they could score a touchdown and then it's still a seven or eight-point game and then you can still go down and tie it, whatever. Or they only have three downs and you stop them and they have to kick a field goal and then the Chiefs get the ball back uh, with enough time to you know go down and, and win the game down four. Uh, so, man, I, I was blown away by that. Uh, I'd never really seen it float around. It only works in like a very specific situation, and it's the best in a one-point game because then you have the touchdown that you can allow uh, and still keep it like a one-score game unless they go for two. Yes, I get it. I get it. You're all saying that. Uh, but I thought that was pretty awesome. I was interesting decision. I probably would have punted on the fourth and 25. The analytics said heavily they should punt. Um, so that was kind of an interesting decision. Uh, I think people were just kind of fed up by 4,000 at that time. Like, oh, you go for 4th and 25 and you don't go for 4th and 2. That, that's some funny logic. Uh, but, you know, time plays a factor in, in football games. They're playing against time. Um, but so overall, did you have any problems with the 4th down? You, you don't get into this too much. I mean, when it comes to like, should they or shouldn't they? Um, I feel like that's above my pay grade. Uh, I did love this I idea. Need the big bucks. That's why they're paying me, Ryan. That's <laughs> what I got. That's why I held out and got a lot of raise. I'm just asking for a raise. Yeah. Uh, I did really like the theory. Um, and like, if you guys weren't following Dirk's explanation, the idea is that it's fourth and 25. And so the Chiefs should just like have Mahomes run out of bounds inside his own 10 so that it is a turnover on downs, but Detroit can't get a first down. They can't bleed the clock. They get one set of downs to either kick a field goal or score a touchdown. And that's it. You limit Detroit's ability to then like ruin your night by bleeding the clock out. And I, again, shout out. I don't know who, uh, that was a really, really cool idea. Um, you know how rarely I just click, I just follow somebody. Like I see a tweet and I'm like, oh man, I got to follow this guy. It, it's like, Twice a year. And I saw this and I immediately followed that guy. So I'm hopefully I'll learn his name soon. Um, I I do think I would be remiss if before we left that we didn't take at least like one minute on the Chiefs running backs. Because I gotta tell you, man, um, I know that Pacheco, like Tony, was rusty, hadn't been playing. He he touched the ball one time in the preseason. Um, odd to once again almost treat this like an extension of the preseason and give Clyde like each of the first two or three touches of the game. Um, honestly, like despite the total lack of explosion, I think that Clyde is you can sort of count on him to give you three or four or five yards ish. Um, he's just a terrible player to watch. I don't <laughs> the. It, I don't want to see it, but um, I, I just look, man. I, I, I want to say that Jerick McKinnon is fun. We love Jerk McChicken on this here podcast, on this here network. He does so many things. He's an excellent leader, but at his age and with his injury history, he can't lead your team. I don't know if Isaiah Pacheco is good. I am confident that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not good. 
and the guy that everyone was most excited about was on his fourth team in three years and then got cut and is sitting on our practice squad in LaMichael Pirine. Like, the Chiefs have a running back problem. I, I, I want to be clear about it because I think that there is some potential for Isaiah Pacheco to do some things that are exciting and fun. It's totally possible. But I think that they have a problem at that position, and I think it's going to be a consistent problem throughout the year. I, th- I think you're a little down, a little too down on Pacheco's mix. Um, so I, I think he just is a little rusty, I think, and he needs, I think he needs some more carries to get going. Um, I think you're spot on, on, on Clyde Edwards, Eclair. Um, but yeah, just the, uh, I was looking at the Lions rushing defense. <laughs> the Eclair hits different because Clyde is so thick. We got a, we got a food theme going here. We got jerk McChicken. We got the checks mix and we got oh, and, well, and, and look. I, the the other food themed friend of ours, Rigatoni Kadarius. Yeah, I gotta tell you, man. Look, I it's it's a bad joke, but I I need to say it. Uh, in addition to you know the pasta, I feel like the guy was eating the the breadsticks or the garlic bread or something. I don't know what it was, uh, but it's just uh, the ball just slipping off his fingers. His pregame reel. He should have used the napkin. You know whose fault it, you know who it was? It was the fucking cats bros. With their fucking slimy fingers. They got the slimy fingers all over this team. Ah! Anyways, the Lions run defense stats last year. Um, they were fourth worst in run defense in yards and second worst in yards per attempt. So that's not great because that's not a good run defense. And the Chiefs running backs had... Pacheco, 8 for 23, and Clyde, 6 for 22. Yikes. That was three. I mean, the, the running game might have been worse than the passing game. Um, and so that that was it, just an overall sloppy game. What, what other thing we didn't get to the receivers was just how sloppy they were in the passing game. It was just like not on the same page. The third and two match where they're running into each other. It just people getting off the line late. People running the wrong route. There's... There was like an RPO that Nate Tice showed, and it's two people running the route in the same spot. It was just a very sloppy game that you don't expect from an Andy Reid team. Um, but I guess that's what you get from all these different bodies. I kind of wonder if a solution is fewer bodies. Was there too many cooks in the kitchen? Um, sticking with the food theme here. Um, was there? Were they trying to get too many receiver snaps and need to just like kind of pick some guys and run with them? And, you know, that is something they would iron out throughout the season. Uh, but I kind of wonder if that was an issue, just throwing, trying to get all seven of these guys stats because all seven of them play a decent amount. I mean, Justin Ross even got in there and caught a pass. Um, you might need to pick some guys and roll with them uh, to, to try and, have, you know, get some con- continuity going with the with the offense. Yeah, I mean, rhythm is a really important thing, I think, for any player. And Honestly, I mean, the the guy that had the greatest opportunity, the lion's share of the snaps and Sky Moore, um, you know, he he still played so little last year that like, I mean, I, I, they're, they're in an interesting position. I do think that because the Chiefs are the Chiefs and they're aiming to be playing their best football when it matters, um, early in the season, it can be clunky. And that's precisely what it was. 
Um, uncharacteristic on the offensive side of the ball to not be incredibly sharp. I mean, Mahomes throws his first uh, week one interception in his career. Again, right off those greasy fingers of Kadarius Tony. Hey, um, but at the same time, like, you know, it's just, it's all these young guys. They're asking a bunch of people to do stuff that they're not accustomed to doing at this level. Um, and, and maybe not being able to just pick three or four guys and say, you know what? Like, sorry, Justin Ross, we're excited about you, but you're going to be inactive tonight because we want to focus on these dudes. I, I, I don't know, but I think that probably what we might see, um, the, the Spagnolo system of they're not going to be great for the first half of the season because they're going to try a whole bunch of stuff, figure out what works and then spend the rest of the season perfecting that. I think that that might be just what happens on offense here with all of these new faces and really trying to establish not just what happens this year, but the future of that position at wide receiver. I mean, like, like we're hoping that it's Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross generally, and that the rest of those guys maybe don't matter. But it's going to take some time. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're just going to have to be a little patient and the Chiefs might be winning some close games and losing some close games coming out. Um, and and that's where I think that, you know, there are some teams in the AFC that might be able to catch them because this offense is a team in transition. And, and you know what will immediately make them look better? Having Travis Kelsey back. That will make all of them look better. Um, real quick, we should talk, real just because next week's game against the Jags, a lot of fun. Um, I, I have the Jags finishing up the second best list record in the AFC. Uh, I think the boys do big things. I think Trevor takes another step this year, and I think Ridley is a lot of fun. I think Doug Peterson's a good coach. So that is a fun game next week with staring down 0-2. Um, I, I mean, I don't have too many thoughts here other than like just I'm already excited for that game, and it's, what, eight, nine days away from here. Uh, that's going to be a really good game. I'm super excited for it, especially coming off this loss. Yeah, I can't really predict the future. It's possible that you guys will hear us before the game against the Jags, given that it's 10 days from now. But at any rate, I am Ryan Scott Hall. He's his Dirkness. And Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers. That's not a bad thing. Philip Rivers is great. <laughs> Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.